Good morning, Goshen College students, staff, and faculty. My name is Frances Fonseca, a senior from Miami, Florida, a communications and Spanish double major with a TESOL minor. Today, I have the honor of introducing Dr. James Brenneman, now beginning his 10th year as the 16th president of Goshen College. Jim, or Jimmy B, as some might refer to him, is known around campus for his love of sharing ideas, stories, and laughter with colleagues and students alike. As a Goshen College student graduating in the late 1970s, Brenneman pursued an interdisciplinary degree combining Bible, biology, and natural science. He went on to attend Associate Mennonite Biblical Seminary and completed a Master's of Divinity degree from Fuller Theological Seminary. At Claremont Graduate University, he earned a Master's of Arts degree in Religious Studies and a doctorate with a focus in Hebrew Bible and Old Testament studies. Brenneman's wife, Dr. Terry J. Plank Brenneman, is a clinical psychologist and also a 1977 Goshen College alum. They are parents to their son, Quinn. President Brenneman's extensive background as a scholar, teacher, and pastor prepared him in his vision for Goshen College to become a more diverse and sustainable institution. He strongly embraces our core values as we seek to be Christ-centered, compassionate peacemakers, global citizens, passionate learners, and servant leaders. Today, he will help us explore this year's core value theme as he speaks about the divine poet, servant leadership defined. Please help me in welcoming President James Brenneman. Good morning. Thank you, Francesca, and good morning to all of you. Welcome back, bienvenidos a todos. It's so good to see you here, uh, all of you returning students, those who are first years. It's such an exciting uh, opportunity for us. And in fact, I miss you guys, and I don't actually quite get it until I'm sitting in my office, and out of Cult Hall is blasting loud music. And then I go, wow, I miss this. And then I heard, a, I, I heard coming from a voice, from a microphone from Cult that said, Hey, what, what, do you know what, what, what happens when you, what do you call an alligator who wears a vest? And there was a pause, and I'm thinking, okay, what's the answer? An investigator. <laughs> okay. Not my joke. Thanks to Cole Paul for that one. Uh, but I missed you all so much. Thanks. Uh, it's good to see you all. Well, since most of you were gone this summer, and I didn't have a chance to see you, I just read about you all two billion of you, two billion millennials, and I read this book by two millennials who have wonderful stories of, of people like you, and as I, as I was reading it, I was thinking, I, there's so many stories in here that could be told by any number of you, particularly all the kinds of things you have done this summer. I know some of you have ser served in summer camps, some of you had, you know, work night, eight to five, or 7.30 to nine, led youth groups, did genetic research, recorded accounts of people persecuted for their faith, studied drifting bees, played basketball with prisoners, rode bicycles from the Pacific to the Atlantic to raise money for people in need, served abused and neglected boys in Peru, in the highlands of Peru, 
And the list goes on and on. I hope you had a chance to have a little bit of a family vacay and relax a little as well. But welcome back, and you're probably relieved just to be back here so you can be students again, right? It sure was sweet, too, when I, uh, the, the Indy Star, is it called the Indy Star? Well, anyway, the Indi Indianapolis newspaper was interviewing Garrison Keillor, who we had on campus a while, uh, last year, and they asked him, so you've hosted uh, your radio show, Prairie Home Companion, live all over the world, literally all over the world. Where was your favorite place to host? And he said, believe it or not, Goshen College, Indiana. How do you like that? <laughs> wow. He said they had a student choir on stage and an audience who sang like angels. And by the way, Scott Hosteller wasn't so bad himself. He, <laughs> he did a great job just doing the rapport with Garrison. Well, uh, like I said, this book was full of great stories, but I, I can think of no greater millennials that I, uh, out of the two billion, that I'd rather be with this morning, so thanks a lot. We were busy here this summer as well, getting ready for you to come back not least of which we received word after about a two-year, 18-month study, uh, self-analysis, uh, visits, site visits, that we were, re re we were re accredited for uh, until 2025. So that's great news. Um, in fact, the first time we were accredited some 70 years ago, uh, by the Higher Learning Commission, um, the students were so excited that they actually did snake dancing down 8th Street. So if any of you feel like that, I think it was 1940s version of the conga, but if you want to do that later, you can do that as well. Well, what a great way to start this school year, so let's just get started. Let's, first of all, welcome those of you who are seniors. This is the last opening convo. There's going to be a lot of the last for you in a short... Nine months, nine months, we'll be handing your uh, diplomas to you and saying our last goodbyes. But for, for today, all of you who are seniors, please stand and we want to give you a warm welcome. Stay standing, stay standing. Stay standing. How about... How about if you're a graduate student or a transfer student, will you please stand? All the rest of you, keep standing. Yeah, good. And how about you returning sophomores and juniors? Will you stand? You're going to be here for a while. Great. And now, if this is your first year, as a first year, at Goshen College, we want to especially welcome you to the Goshen College family. Will you please stand? All right. And I would like to take an opportunity, stay standing, I'd like the opportunity to introduce to you our newest uh, 
President's, uh, President's Cabinet member, Ken Newbold. He's the new Provost, Executive Vice President. He's going full circle, born and raised in Goshen, New York, and has come full circle to Goshen, Indiana to serve as our... Welcome, Ken. And now all the rest of you, your great faculty, uh, staff, administrators, uh, pastors, all the rest of you who serve our Goshen College students so well, will you please stand and let us welcome you. And then, thank you all. Wow, what a great bunch of... <coughs> Goshen College family members. Let's stand now and we'll have parables come and they're gonna to sing to us the alma mater and you're gonna catch on, those of you who know it, sing out, don't disappoint Garrison on this one. And the rest of you will learn it fast. So, thank you. All right, so we're gonna sing the first verse and chorus, and then we'll have you guys join us on the second and third verse and choruses. Tears of sloppy love, mysterious tears 
As you have heard, this year we're going to be focusing on the core value. Each year we do this so that by the end of the four years, all of our core values are centered in Christ. And by the end of your four years, we'll have looked at one of those core values through your time here. Trying to define this year's core value, servant leadership, is a bit like trying to define any one of a number of oxymorons. Oxymoron being that conjunction of two contradictory terms that have been put together. Sort of like, try to define holy war, or big baby, or hell's angels, or pretty ugly, or jumbo shrimp, or found missing. So you get a flavor of, like most oxymorons, servant leadership offers this poetic linguistic play, a self-correcting debate between two points of view sometimes that are in conflict with each other. So what does it mean to be a servant? Is that even a good word? It can sound a bit medieval, ancient, and even demeaning. I mean, the word is translated in some scriptures, in King James Version and elsewhere, as slave. Not such a great word. On the other hand, perspective matters. I know it's a great word from the perspective, for example, of my cat. I'm sure Jazz always thought that a human being like me was simply the result of millions of years of evolution designed to produce a better cat servant, which I humbly obliged Jazz for 21 years. May he rest in peace this summer. We make jokes about being a civil servant, add the word federal as in federal servant, civil servant, and the negative stereotyping gets worse. I saw a cartoon that showed a person washing his hands at a restroom sink with a big sign next to him on the wall that read, all government employees must wash their hands, and then in red, of all responsibility before returning to work. So much for civil servants and, civil servants and how we sometimes think about servants. I'm guessing that the word servant all by itself is rarely even used in your world as students, as millennials, have you ever heard one of your classmates say, yo, hey, guys, won't you let me be your servant? We sing it, but I doubt you've said it too often. And what about leadership? That's a puzzling word. It's a challenging word to try to define as well. Men and women value very different leadership qualities, for example. A Pew study recently showed that on a whole and as leaders, women are more compassionate, ethical, and organized while men tend to be more ambitious, decisive, and risk-taking. And if you kind of cross that line, that is, if you're a woman leader and you're a risk-taker and decisive, well, you know, what, you know how we define such aggressive women. So the word itself is a bit fluid, <clears throat> depending on your perspective. <clears throat> is, excuse me, is leadership a neutral word in a Donald Trump world? Or is being a leader simply the fact that you have 13 Twitter followers? Put the two words together, oxymoron, servant, leader, and you get a real linguistic mashup. The words can shapeshift in meaning if defined by gender or class or station in life, even supporting downright painful, oppressive connotations. I asked uh, myself recently, what does Goshen College alum, now professor of theology and ethics at the Anabaptist Mennonite Seminary, Dr. Linda Berry, mean by titling an upcoming paper on 
education at Bluffton University titled, Thinking of Myself as Your Servant Leader is a Bad Idea, Mennonite Education and the Problem of the Servant Leadership Paradigm. I can't wait to hear that paper, and maybe I'll rewrite this one today. However we define core value servant leadership, clearly we must allow for the linguistic flexibility, some interplay of what each word means in juxtaposition to the other, and a certain sense of, su of subjectivity, not unlike the famous expression of Justice Potter Stewart's opinion in 1964, Supreme Court obscenity case when he said, we know it when we see it. We know a servant leader when we meet him or her. We know what a servant leadership is when we see it, even if we can't fu quite fully describe it in definitional terms that we all agree on. So as we consider this core value today, I want us to think first theologically, because all of our, uh, our leadership, excuse me, all of our core values are rooted in a Christ-centered theology. So we'll think only today theologically about that word as we define it. And then in later convos throughout the year and later I'll come back on this and we'll think about it with regard to you and I as individuals thinking about this for ourselves. For Christians, the primary place we derive our meaning for servant leadership is that from the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus emphatically stated that those who wish to lead must serve. Having said that, let's be clear. Servant leadership was not new with Jesus. Jesus got the oxymoron from a much older and deeper source. Long before Jesus, long before there was even a single human being on the earth, long before sheep and oysters and salts and quarks and heat and light waves and nebulae had even emerged from a primordial, sludgy, murky chaos, in Genesis 1, God the Creator did the most amazing act of servant leadership ever known. God attached God's infinite self to creation, first to the non-human, non-living, formless, dark matter, to the void itself, then to light, then to chemical reactions, to would-be and becoming elements, to this and finally to this one little corner of God's universe and to all other corners of God's universe as well. In the very act of creating an other than God world, God willingly bridged the existential chasm between creator and the created. God connected forever to the universe in its formation and evolutionary unfolding. By entering time and space from eternity, God became permanently enmeshed with this world and hasn't looked back since. In effect, God became Emmanuel, God with us, before there was even an us, millions of years before there was an even an us. God became the first servant leader ever. God is like a lead wire locked in the circuitry of life affecting and being affected by the ebb and flow of energy in the circuit. God is like an artist who experiences some limits imposed by the very medium of her art. God is like a parent who experiences self-imposed limits when relating to a child. 
God is like a poet who experiences the agony of expression by the very limits of language. In all these instances, God is sometimes frustrated by such limitations, be they self-imposed or imposed by the nature of things. But more often than not, God stands back, mouth agape, truly amazed, surprised even, by how the flow of energy, the art masterpiece, the little child, or the epic poem is turning out. Far from being the unmoved mover or the distant watchmaker of Western philosophy, far from being the lordly lord over the cosmos as an emperor, God instead entered the circuitry of creation never to leave. God locked God's self into an intimate, loving, self-sacrificial relationship with you and me forever. Now, God could do otherwise. God could step out of that, but God doesn't. God has stepped into our world in an amazing way. The servant leader God is motivated by love, pure and simple. I can think of no other good reason that any God, as traditionally defined, would self-limit in such a way so as to relate to the creation in such a vulnerable way. The servant leader God serves, weeps, suffers, even dies with us, and rises again within the cycles of nature and most fully in Christ as evidence to that service. The servant leader God of love enjoys our accomplishments, gasps at the singularly unique daily sunsets ever new to both God and us, relishes in the poetic turn of phrase previously unknown and unheard even by God. The servant leader God of love is affected by our wrongs, woos us with infinite love, a real to God love filled with pathos, whimsy, mirth, limitation, creativity, agony, and ecstasy. Like a new parent, when God first saw the divine image emerge in early humans, God breathlessly proclaimed, behold, it is very good. I can just almost feel it in my bones as having watched my own child be born. Behold, it is very good. What an awesome, beautiful thing this is. And nothing, it was God's way of saying, wow. Wow! And nothing has happened since that has in any way diminished the wow of God's love for us. Nothing. St. Paul says nothing can separate us from God's love. Absolutely nothing. Hold that into your heart. God's love is sacrificial, and a sacrificial love is the first sign of a servant leader. In a minute, senior Martin Flowers, accompanied on the cello by our own new orchestra director and associate professor of music, Dr. Jose Rocha, will perform the wonderful classic Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Listen to the lyrics, I will lay me down, I will lay me down. For me, the song poetically and emotionally expresses the sentiment of a true servant leader who embodies Christ's words, 
No greater love than this, than she laid down her life for a friend. No greater love than this, than he laid down his life for a friend. If today we've considered the meaning of servant leadership from the point of view of God, the first servant leader ever, a God whose infinite love was made tangibly finite in relationship to us and the whole created world. Next semester in Convo, I'll consider with you what servant leadership, when rightly defined, how it can be one of the most liberating sources for understanding our core identities as humans. I hope to show how our sense of joy, our meaning in life, and our ultimate self-fulfillment hinges on understanding what it means to be a servant leader. In so doing, I hope to offer a radical corrective to anemic definitions of the modern self. But that's another day. We won't go there this morning. For now, as we begin this new year, let's do our best to serve others above self in any and every way we can, and so give witness to the Goshen College core value, servant leadership. Thank you.
Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Jose. And thank you, Jim, for this wonderful start to our year. I uh, wanted to let you know that my name is Beverly Lapp, and in my role as core director, I oversee the convocation program. Every Wednesday at 10, we will gather in this space for either a convocation or a chapel. Next week, we'll be led in chapel by Bob Yoder, our campus pastor, and uh, we will begin their exploration of the theme centered in Christ. You will see these schedules posted around campus and in stacks if you'd like to pick one up for yourself, and they're also online. Today, there will not be any scanning because of technical difficulties. All students will get credit. Beginning next week, yeah. Beginning next week, the routine will be that you'll have your ID card scanned as you leave the space, and so you can be ready for that. Keep in mind that there are other events that count for Convo Credit, as you'll see on the schedule, some evening lectures and um, arts events. Those typically are scanned before the event, so come early to make sure you catch that before the event begins. And now, we have a special way of exiting our opening convo. All will exit through that double door where you see Dean Peterson Veach, and he and Professor of Communication Jason Samuel will guide you into the applause tunnel. So please exit as I instruct. First, we'll ask our faculty, administrators, and staff to exit through those doors, so you'll need to come around and wait until I indicate your group to exit. If you are a graduate or adult student here, you may join the line at this point. And seniors, you may join the line. Please only exit through those doors. All right, sophomores, or juniors, juniors. <laughs> sophomores, you may exit. And now we invite all of our first year and any other new students who have joined us, if you haven't already gone, 